Hey, what up? It's Podcast Rebellion. We are back at it again here in the Davis McCord State Farm Studio. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Before I introduce our guest to preview Ole Miss in Louisville on Monday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta at the Chick-fil-A Kickoff Classic. I don't know if it's Chick-fil-A Kickoff Classic. It might just be Chick-fil-A Kickoff. Um... Yeah, I think it is classic. Nevertheless, we're going to preview that, whatever it's called. Um, but like we always do before we start the show, I want to remind you of Davis McCord and the great folks at State Farm. They're your one-stop shop in Tennessee and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. Stop looking around. Give Davis and the folks at State Farm a call at 901-755-6110. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Podcast also brought to you by LB's Meat Market. Uh, the inaugural sponsor of this year's show. You've been hearing about them for some time now, but if you act now and you show up and see Greg and the folks over there at LB's and you tell them that uh, Red Cup sent you, you tell them you listened to the preview show for the Louisville game, you tell them that you read Red Cup Rebellion, any of that, you can get a 16-ounce prime strip for 15 bucks and a pack of sausage for $5. It's the podca- Podcast Rebellion perk. Tell Greg and the folks there, that you listen to the show, you read the site, um, that you're a fan of everything that we do at Red Cup Rebellion and Podcast Rebellion, and Greg and the folks will hook it up. It's a 16-ounce prime strip for 15 bucks, and a pack of sausage for $5. It's a fantastic deal. It could be a dinner for one. It could be a dinner for two. It could probably be a dinner for three or four um, with a 16-ounce prime strip. So go there, tell them that Red Cup sent you. And uh, they will hook it up. That's LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. Also, new sponsor to the show, Sola on South Lamar. Football season's back. And if you need a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than Sola. Um, a committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. That's happy hour three to six. Fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two-for-one Moscow mules. They are bringing the best and brightest to you in-house or via curbside pickup. They are still doing that. Check out solaoxford.com. That's S-O-L-A oxford.com. Or give them a call at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. All right, so we do have a guest here. I teased that at the beginning. And we now welcome in John from Card Chronicle to preview Ole Miss and Louisville. From Atlanta, I kind of stumbled all over the place in the intro there, John, with uh, if it's the kickoff classic, if it's just the Chick-fil-A classic, whatever it is, we're here to talk about it. So welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Zach, for having me. I appreciate it. Now, before we get to football, let me uh, – I, I listened to your ad read there. Does LB's deliver? Can I get a $15 16-ounce <laughs> prime strip up here in Louisville? Because I'm you know, signing up. You know, <laughs> it, you know. Honestly, I wouldn't put it past Greg to uh, think about it if you if you called and asked. But uh, unfortunately, as of today, they do not deliver. But um, right. so I got to make yeah. I got to make yeah. It, That's right. You know, there are worse places to go than Oxford, Mississippi. <laughs> so I don't know if you've ever been, but yeah, if you ever go, uh, go holler at Greg and uh, he'll hook it up. All right. So I'll just get a get a prime, take it out. Grab a grill, <laughs> head to the Grove, knock it yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, experience, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's talk Louisville here. Um, I, I don't know about how you guys are feeling. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, Ole Miss fans are just excited for another year with Lane Kiffin. Last year was um, a lot of peaks, a lot of valleys. There were some head scratchers, and there were some really fun games. Uh, they finished the year five and five and win the Outback Bowl over, I think, a really good Indiana team. Um, I, I honestly did not think they would win that bowl game, but they ended up winning, going out on a high note. Um, Louisville kind of did the same thing, kind of all over the place, but ended the year with a big win over Wake. Um, I, what's the vibe right now going into this opener um, with everything um, going on at Louisville with uh, I guess what year is this with uh, with Satterfield? Year three. Year three. So yeah. year three, um, and you know, I, and I'll let you talk here. But you know, 
eight and five in 2019, four and seven a year ago. You win the Music City Bowl, big year one. Um, slight step back in a weird, funky year with COVID. But what, what's the vibe going into this opener on Monday? Yeah, I mean, I think if you ask a typical fan, right, like we would love to have swapped year one and year two, right? Because year one, there was like zero expectations. They were coming off of 2018 where Petrino kind of just let the dumpster fire burn. They had two wins. I think they finished two and ten and just – halfway through the season you could tell that the locker room was lost and they just weren't you know they weren't there anymore so sat coming in in 2019 you're kind of thinking like man if we can put you know four or five wins on the board at least show some signs of life like things will be improving and they come out and they win eight games and win the bowl game you know um beating mississippi state by the way you're welcome but uh the in in year two you know and we're trying to the problem is we're trying to have realistic expectations i think understanding you know with covid that nothing was really um normal and uh we had uh two or three games where you know some of the the uh key offensive weapons were out and they had some linemen out and but I mean, everybody was like that, you know, and so it was it's hard to utilize that as an excuse. So there was definitely disappointment with how the year went down, especially with all the talent they had on the team. And then the week before uh, or I guess two weeks before the end of the year, um, Sat gets busted flirting with a South Carolina job. And so um, it was a big story, obviously, here uh, where you know, he didn't really tell our AD what was going on, kind of found out after the fact and then kind of had to play the cover up game. And, the, you know, kind of the the all shucks mentality that he has on a lot of things just wasn't playing well with a lot of the fans around here. And it was kind of like, yeah, man, we've been burned multiple times before, so we're not buying it. So the Wake Forest win helped some, but then not having a bowl game or anything really to look forward to. I mean, we've been sitting here for eight months, you know, just waiting yeah. to like sat to be like, all right, man, you got to come out and start winning some ball games. Cause that's the only thing that's going to get the fan base, you know, fully uh, back behind you. Uh, so I don't know. There's a, there's a mixed bag a little bit. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. still have trust and faith that he can get the job done, but then, you know, the combination of last year's record and then, you know, flirting with some jobs has kind of rubbed people the wrong way for sure. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to touch on that. So Ole Miss fans can can definitely um, attest to that that vibe and that feeling because um, Ole Miss baseball's head coach interviewed for the LSU vacancy, um, which is obviously a division rival. I mean, at least if Satterfield was going to leave, he was going out of conference and going over to the SEC and not staying in the ACC, much less in the division. Um Ended up staying at Ole Miss. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Ole Miss baseball or Mike Bianco, but he's been there forever. Yeah, Ole Miss I would people. Say thank, thank you for that because the rumor was that Dan McDonald <laughs> from Louisville was likely a prime candidate at Ole Miss yeah. if he did leave, and so uh, that would not have been fun either. So uh, yeah, yeah, I I, <laughs> I would say yeah, I. I I hate we couldn't take him off your hands because I would have yeah. loved that. Um, but yeah, so there were a lot of Ole Miss fans that, you know, were kind of like, well, what do we do now? Like you obviously were thinking about leaving and now you're back. Like, how do we feel about this? So I can get a fan base that's kind of, you know, on the fence or, you know, like you said, a mixed bag of emotions, but um, you know, looking at the schedule from last year, I mean, honestly, a lot of questions and a lot of, you know, what ifs kind of similar to what Ole Miss had with some of their games, but you know, you lose, you lose a tight one to a ranked Miami team. You lose by three to pit um, really fight tooth and nail in a defensive battle against a top five Notre Dame and lose beat, beat up on Florida state. Um, and then, you know, there's a couple head scratchers in there. You, um, you know, poor showing against UVA, but, Malik Cunningham really did it, <laughs> everything that he could to possibly win that one. But, yeah, I mean, what's, you know, such a great year one. And you take a step back in year two with COVID and how it was just such a weird, bizarre year. Um, but with so many close games, I mean, it, what's the feel of this team coming into 2021? I saw that Bill C has them, in, you know, in his SP plus projections 
um, in his overall rankings right now for 2021 for the preseason. Louisville's at 42nd, 18th off in offense and 95th in defense. So what's what's kind of the vibe right now on the team as a whole? Yeah, I mean, last year was brutal because there was, like you mentioned, I mean, just so many games they were winnable that um, they you felt like they kind of just gave away. Um, I think last year they had four games that were they were within like 10 points or less and they were 0 and 4 you know and, and i think in those games um along with the the big story for the whole season um kind of comes down to to turnovers i mean they were atrocious they could not hold on to the football and i mean around here it just became a running joke of like you know oh, what's this team's problem and it was you know, turnovers i mean you know it's i think in those four games that they lost that were real close they were like minus six in the turnover margin and had given up like 20 23 points um just off the turnovers. so I mean, it was it was bad. Um, I think they were next to last um, in the country with uh, 24 turnovers last year. Um, and it wasn't even I mean, there was some fluky stuff, some unlucky stuff. I mean, but they had opportunities. Um, you know, they had backs in the backfield taking a, you know, outside zone run and they just dropped the ball, you know, like nobody around. And it's like, oh, you know, fumble the exchange, you know, simple stuff. And so. It was very frustrating, and, and so this entire offseason, it's kind of been like, well, if they can fix that, you know, we should be in pretty good spot. Um, I think people are still excited about the offense. I mean, Satterfield's uh, proved that he can put up some numbers. Um, I still have concerns. They lost uh, 2-2 Atwell to the NFL, who's now with the Rams. They lost Des Fitzpatrick, another wide out to the NFL, the Titans. They lost Javian Hawkins out of the backfield, who I think now just got picked up with the Titans last week. Um, and so there's a there's weapons there for sure, but they're just unproven. And so even on the offensive side of the ball, which you, you know, fans kind of point to the last couple of years is like, well, we know we're going to be decent there. You know, even for me personally, I'm still a little bit hesitant to, to crown them as a, you know, top 25 offense. Um on the defensive side of the ball, though, where we've had struggles, um, I know you guys can empathize a little bit with that, but uh, we've had, you know, uh, issues going back uh, many years. Um, and since Brian Brown came over with Satterfield three years ago, I think he's an old Miss guy, uh, if I remember he is. correctly. Yeah. He is indeed. Um he came in and he inherited a mess. Um, and so that first year it was kind of like, here we go again. You know, uh, we've got, uh, we've had Brian Van Gorder as our defensive coordinator. So we've had some rough years for sure, but uh, we, <laughs> so, uh, but he came in, he, he did well. Um, it wasn't embarrassing, which it had been previously. Um, and then year over year, uh, numbers have improved. Um, I think last year I wrote something uh, last year at the end of the year, kind of recapping the defense. And I think their scoring defense finished somewhere around like 26 points or game, which was still, you know, a little higher than you might want. But two mm -hmm. years prior, it was like 45 points a game or something. I mean, it was like an 18 point swing just in a couple, couple seasons. So they've recruited well. Um, and I think really a lot of people are looking at the defense and saying like, Hey, I, I think the defense can actually keep us in some games this year uh, in comparison to us just trying to outscore everybody. Uh, so I'm excited to kind of see them improve uh, and see their growth. Um, I mean, looking at the schedule, I haven't done my prediction post over at Card Chronicle yet, but I'm I'm in the same boat as everybody else. I'm in that, you know, six to seven win range. I think if they can get to a bowl this year, you start winning people back, you know, into the mm -hmm. good graces of the uh, the staff. And, and the big thing is just retention, too. I mean, they lost a fair amount of coaches last year, so you've got some new guys coming in that, you know, they got to prove themselves. Uh, and so just seeing how that kind of plays out as well. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously I'm one of the unique, uh, people that I'm going to be excited about the season, no matter what, but, um, I'm sure I am excited about this year and, uh, you know, what, what we've got kind of to build on hopefully moving forward. So. So you, you did mention, you know, that we share that, that pain of, a. Uh, 
a struggling defense. Uh, Malik Cunningham, the junior quarterback's back, had some signs of some really good football in 2021. Obviously, a couple of years ago, had a really good year. Um, mm-hmm. But up, up and down for the most part in 2020. Um, going up against an Ole Miss defense that was, you know, the bottom of the bottom of the NCAA last year. Um, I can't, can't remember. I think they were like 107th in total defense, something. I mean, it was bad. I mean, what's what do you anticipate the attack being on Monday with new OC, Dwayne Ledford from the Falcons coming over? It's going to be a brand new system. So it's kind of a fresh start for Cunningham. Um, you know, he was basically the third best quarterback in the ACC um, in 2019, 2020 was one to forget, had some interceptions, had some uh, lost fumbles that were crucial in, in certain spots of games, but a guy that's a true dual threat. Um, I mean, what do you anticipate him and Ledford's attack looking like against an Ole Miss defense that is just desperately trying to prove that they're worthy? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely <laughs> – I think what fans are hoping for is obviously more of the 2019 Malik. Um, I mean, he was – he was very controlled. Um, he was very um, smart in his reads. He never tried to do too much. And I felt like last year he was trying to win ball games. I mean, he was trying to put the team on his back at times and force some plays and uh, force some balls where they didn't need to go. Um, one of the stats you'll always hear around here, um, it's like a running joke is, you know, you go to a bar or something. It's like 2019 Malik needed one more pass to qualify for like all of the passing, uh, you know, ratings and rankings and stuff. And if he'd have thrown one more ball, he would have finished with a QBR of like number two in the nation only behind Burrow. Um, and so it was just a, yeah, it was, it was just a sign of like his, um, I mean, I don't even want to say maturity, but just protection of the football and understanding like, Hey, if I'm in a bad spot here, I'm just going to take off and get seven, eight yards and then be done with it, you know, and I don't need to force a 25 yard seam route, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think some of that last year was just, um, like I said, just him trying to do a little bit too much. Some of it was fluky. Um, you know, he did have some tip passes and things. He, we had some dropsies from the wideouts occasionally and stuff like that. But I do think they're going to um, get a little bit back to uh, a rushing attack from him last year. Um, he actually had more rushing yards than he did the year prior, but with a – unproven backfield um just the guys who really haven't had a ton of starts and a ton of uh experience i think they're going to rely on his legs a little bit um and we and his group of wideouts i think the three projected starters have like five total starts between the three of them uh this year so guys that have been in the system guys that should know what they're doing but you know, now the the spotlight's on them. So we're still waiting to see, kind of like you guys, who's going to step up and be that number one option. Uh, mm-hmm. So with, you know, a back and some wideouts that are, you know, quote unquote unproven, I think those first few games, at least, they're going to, you know, going to have him uh, kind of trying to carry the load for us and, uh, and see who's willing to step up on that side of the ball. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, who do you anticipate being that go-to option? Because you, you talked about Atwell and Fitzpatrick leaving. And I, I saw a stat that was pretty staggering that 60% of the receiving yards and half of their 20 touchdowns, I mean, that right there is an incredible yeah. number to have to <laughs> replace. Um, you know, Ole Miss is, is in that same boat with losing Elijah Moore to the NFL and Kenny Aboa. Um, you know, who are some guys that, that Ole Miss fans should should know going into Monday's game? You know, who are who are some names to know when they line up on offense to keep an eye on? Yeah, I, I think um, I was doing a, a Q&A with uh, one man to beat over there that will probably go up on your site later this mm-hmm. week, I guess. But um, I mentioned to him – you know, I'm a I'm a card carrying member of the uh, Marshawn Ford fan club. He's a he's a tight end by uh, by name, but they throw him in the H back slot. And um, 
he's just turned into a huge offensive weapon the last couple of years, um, especially when they're down in the red zone. Um, I think he had, I don't want to get it mixed up. I think last year he ended up with like six touchdowns and the year before he had seven. Um, so he was like number one or number two for tight ends um, in the ACC as far as touchdown receptions. But he's just a, a nice decoy down there. You know, he's he's usually in that H-back uh, when the quarterback's, you know, sitting in the pistol or whatever, and he, he can come out and he can throw a block. He can slide off of it and, you know, slide into the flat. And he's a big, big target uh, that uh, for sure they'll look to utilize. They've talked about him all summer, about how he's, uh, you know, grown and he'll be a big part of the offense for sure. But for the wideouts – They've got a couple they've got a couple guys that we've just been like eagerly anticipating their their breakout. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Justin Marshall um, has been there for a few years. He's a 6'3", 211 pound uh, you know guy who can he's got a nice frame, got good uh, ability to high point the ball and he's just not been able to see the field because they've got you know NFL caliber receivers in front of him. so um, the, the few opportunities he's had, he's had, you know, a few drops here and there. And so it's kind of like, oh, man, is this is this really going to be the guy? And and so there's a little bit of back and forth between him. And then there's a, a local kid, uh, Jordan Watkins, um, who also has some high hopes this year that he kind of steps up into into one of those roles, too. But I think the if you ask the the. Uh, the casual fan who just likes, you know, small, fast guys like a Tutu Atwell or something. We've got uh, Braden Smith, Josh Johnson, and even uh, Amari Huggins-Bruce. There's two, three guys there that um, – and actually, I forgot Tyler Harrell, who's uh, ridiculously fast. Um, I think what was the uh, – it was like a hand clock to, you know, 4-2 or something over the summer, 40 times. So, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, super speedy. Um, so they've got some guys that absolutely they're not going to slide in and replace what we got out of Tutu, but um, they're going to utilize them in the same way that they use Tutu. Um, just, you know, s- short passes in the flat. They'll run their little uh, semi-jet sweep that they run just to try to, you know, stretch them, stretch the defense. And um, so they've got some guys <laughs> – if I had to narrow it down to one, I'm really pointing back at uh, my first pick there, I guess, with Justin Marshall, just hoping he kind of emerges as the big guy that we can uh, make some plays downfield and, and uh, you know, spread the defense out, threaten a little bit uh, beyond 15, 20 yards. All right. Well, um, I, we covered it offensively. Uh, we're going to talk defense. Uh, we already mentioned former Ole Miss Rebel Brian Brown, who's the defensive coordinator. Uh, we're going to take our break, though. When we come back, we're going to talk more with John from Card Chronicle about Louisville Ole Miss on Monday. So hang tight. We'll be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. 
Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome, has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon, a very small batch high rye bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic, And, as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last, but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion, previewing Ole Miss and Louisville Monday evening, Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. John here from Card Chronicle. All right, we've talked enough offense. Let's roll over to defense now. We already talked about former Ole Miss Rebel Brian Brown. Um, he is, a, uh, I, I guess I would say, a, a fan favorite. Um, one of our co-hosts of the show is actually from the same hometown as uh, Brian Brown. Proud Corinth warrior, as Ben would say. Um, he came over with a lot of hype, um, things that he did at App State. Uh, they were, you know, top 10, top 15 in the country in total defense and a lot of the metrics, SP plus analytics. Um, I think a lot of Ole Miss fans were clamoring for him to get the DC role in Oxford, um, but he's in Louisville. He's with the Cardinals, um, you know, I was kind of going through looking at some of the old archives and some of the old statistics. And I saw, you know, for the first time in four seasons, Louisville was in the top half, of the ACC in total defense. Um, Cardinals were the only ACC defensive unit to limit opponents to fewer than 200 yards passing per game. Um, and then, so I guess Brian Brown was brought in to try to improve the run defense. They were really good at that in Boone when he was at App State. Um like I said earlier in the show, they're kind of in that same boat with Ole Miss where they're really trying to rebound and trying to build some depth and to improve on a 2020 that was one that I think if you ask Brian Brown, he would love to forget it. But so what's the vibe defensively? You know, how do you think they're going to try to slow down Matt Corral and this Lane Kiffin, Jeff Levy offense? Yeah, no, I would say um, I think for the most part, fans have kind of come to the realization that you know, what Brown inherited was just, it was not fair to really, uh, you know, make uh, quick judgments on on what was happening even in that first season. I mean, it's 
one because they changed their defensive scheme. I mean, they were running a uh, 4-3 or, you know, some type of it previously, and now they went to a 3-4, and they, they really didn't have the bodies on the roster that kind of fit what they needed to do. And so Brown was trying to kind of, you know, make things work as best he could. But um, you're going to be shocked at this, but Petrino kind of screwed us. Uh, he's, I mean, he uh, – the roster management's always been a key topic around here too. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, he'd go out and he'd grab 14 wideouts and like, Oh yeah, I guess I probably <laughs> need a couple of D linemen too, you know? Uh, oh yeah. That sounds familiar. <laughs> so, uh, so Brown, you know, definitely took on a little bit of a challenge coming over. Uh, 19 was a little rough, but like I said before, you know, we, we've seen improvement uh, the last couple of years. And so now, with their recruiting, they've actually got some bodies in place on that front, uh, on the line there that I personally think are, uh, are solid options. And they've actually got, you know, legitimate DNs and they've got two, three options for legitimate tackles in the middle that they really haven't had, uh, previously. Um, and the problem last year and even the year before is just, they just struggled at getting pressure. Um, and it really just became, you know, you were breaking out the stopwatch, uh, to, to count how long the quarterback had to, you know, make plays and they're just not going to be able to continue to do that, especially here in week one, because, uh, corral just rip them to shreds. I mean, and that's kind of my fear is we've got a couple guys that did well last year in creating pressure up front, uh, Monty Montgomery, who's one of our, uh, He'll, he'll start this year at middle linebacker. He was more of a situational sub last year, but he was kind of a third down guy, you know, pin his ears back and just, you know, try to blow somebody up. And and he did good at that. But now that he's a full-time starter, um, we'll see how that kind of translates, if he still has that same aggressiveness or, you know, how that's going to work. But, I mean, that's really got to be the key. And I think that's been the key that, um, Coach Brown's been preaching all summer is just getting pressure, creating disruption. I know uh, Bill Conley used to have a stat about, you know, chaos or whatever that the Diaz, uh-huh. uh, the defense creates, you know, and, and UofL was not great in that stat for a long time. And so <laughs> I think, you know, that's really just the key is getting pressure, uh, creating chaos, even if they're not getting him down and getting sacks, just forcing him out of the pocket for, you know, forcing him to one side of the field to try to make plays um, or else it's going to be a long day. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just the the kind of uh, stance that I'm taking or the opinion that I'm taking is if they can't get pressure again and they have, they struggle, uh, you know, to force corral into making uh, plays, then they're probably going to get picked apart again. So, so you mentioned, you know, the, you know, John, I'm getting a lot of uh, getting a lot of parallels here from Ole Miss mm-hmm. and Louisville. You mentioned struggling to to create pressure and to get to the quarterback and get home. Uh, Ole Miss has been in that same boat. Uh, you already mentioned Montgomery, and you know he had a big game against Notre Dame a year ago, and um, he had a ton of you know ton of flashes of potential in 2020. Um, a name that Ole Miss fans are going to be familiar with, the Mississippi native C.J. Avery is back for his fifth year. Um, going to be, you know, that outside linebacker spot, you know, outside of him creating pressure, are there any other uh, names that the Ole Miss uh, fans need to know about that are going to be trying to come off the edge to disrupt what Corral and them are doing? Yeah, I mean, Yaya Diaby is a guy who's uh, on the edge. Um, he'll definitely be a guy that's um, they're going to try to utilize to get into the backfield. But behind him – I don't know how much he'll play. He'll probably get some reps, but as the season wears on, absolutely. They've got a true freshman, Ashton Gelati, that they were really high on when they recruited him. He was a bit, I won't even say undersized. He came in around like uh, 212, 213 or something. But they released the uh, media guide a few weeks ago, and I thought it was a typo, but then they verified He's put on 41 pounds uh, since he arrived on campus um, in January. And the guy's just a beast. I mean, they just show him, you know, the typical summer videos of, you know, them lifting cars over their heads in the locker room and stuff, you know. But um, 
he's an animal for sure. And, and they're excited about him. And, and so I think they're going to give him some opportunities um, for sure to get in there and try to make some plays um, on the outside. I, I don't think they'll utilize him so much to get pressure, but um, uh, Keetra Clark at corner um, is a all ACC type player. I think he finished last year uh, second team, but uh, for sure this year, I consider him an all ACC caliber corner. Um, we had one very similar to him a few years ago in Jair Alexander, who's now probably one of the better corners in the league. Um, and it's just amazing. I mean, you know, they just, they take, <laughs> I mean, they, he's got that side of the field covered like uh, Davis McCourt, you know, he's got, he's, he's got you covered. Uh, <laughs> so uh he, he's locking it down and he, he pretty much takes away, you know, half the field uh, when he's out there. And so I think that's something that they'll lean heavily on. He, he was tested kind of early last year, um, had, I think, 10 pass breakups in the first handful of games. And then uh, teams kind of started avoiding him, you know, didn't really throw at him that much. And so some of his uh, numbers dropped a little bit. But as you watch the games, you saw they were just, you know, avoiding that side of the field, basically. So um, he's definitely a key piece, especially in the secondary. So I guess the overall theme of this game, I think, is because, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but the the line has jumped a little bit uh, in Ole Miss's favor. Um, and I think that's probably – akin to a lot of the hype around the offense and Matt Corral being back. I mean, he's arguably the best quarterback in the SEC. He was preseason first team all SEC. Um, you know, I don't know how much you've kept up with, with his career. And um, uh, people are putting a lot of credence into it's his second year in the system. And he's never had that. Um, I, I think as far back as high school, he's never been in the same system two years in a row because he transferred from Oaks Christian over to Long Beach Poly, and then he came to Ole Miss, and then he was in several systems before he got to work with Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy. So with the – like the lines up to 10 now, um, I think this game is going to come down to the defense because I think first game of the year, I think both offenses are going to be able to move the football because neither team really has a great defense. Um, but, I mean, I think you've already touched on it and I think the game's going to come down to who can get off the field on third down. Um, you don't have to give a score prediction if you don't want to, but I mean, what's your, if you, if you had to sit down and tell someone how this game is going to go on Monday night, how do you anticipate everything unfolding once the ball is kicked off? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I thought about that a little bit this week uh, doing the Q and a with you guys. And I think, I mean, part of it, I have the fear um, that uh, Ole Miss coming out and, like you said, having some of that continuity. I mean, I know they're replacing a couple guys as well, but just the continuity mm -hmm. of having the, the same uh, coordinator, having Corral back, I, I think they're going to strike quick early. Um, and, and I think UofL, they've shown in the past that sometimes they take a little bit to get going. And so my my concern is, you know, we look up and it's 14 nothing, 17 nothing, you know, and and it's all of a sudden we're we're trying to claw back in now with the, with the Mississippi defense. Maybe we can claw back in. Right. But uh, mm -hmm. it's like you said, it's going to come down to our defense, you know, getting stops as well. Um, I, I think we see, uh, you know, you guys jump out a little bit. Um, UofL gets back in the game, maybe gets within seven or 10. And then uh, uh, you guys, uh, you know, throw on a late touch or a couple of them and maybe make it look a little worse than what it was. But, um, I, you know, I hate picking against my own team, uh, but it's uh, for this particular week, whatever the reason, I just uh, I don't see them uh, uh, getting the W here. Uh, I think uh, if I had to guess, like I said, if they get a let that late score or so, they might even cover that 10. Um, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they kept it, uh, if the cards kept it close. Yeah. 
So I, uh, before we, we kind of wind up or, or wind down, I should say, the show, I, I did want to get your thoughts kind of big picture with Louisville. Um, you, you know, obviously you guys are the, the big rival, I assume, is Kentucky. Um, yes. With what Stoops and, and that staff is doing over there, they've, you know, honestly kind of gotten to a spot where they kind of have a, a – they kind of have an identity. And – he's been able to recruit extremely well. I've honestly been shocked at how well that he's been able to recruit. Um, You know, they win 10 games in 2018. They win eight in 2019. Um, They go five and six in 2020, but they win their third straight bowl game. Um, I I, I don't think you'll ever be in a spot that program where you're the, the big thing on campus. I mean, we all know the story about that's why Mm -hmm. Bear Bryant left because you know, the, the, the legend has it that he had a great year and Adolph Rupp had a great year. And uh, at some end of the year sports banquet, Adolph Rupp got a Cadillac and Bear Bryant got a watch. And he was kind of like, well, I, uh, I know that I'm, <laughs> I'm second fiddle here. So he, he kind of, you know, said, you know, I got to get out of here and go somewhere else. But um, competing with them, I know it's different conferences, but, um, you know, what's kind of the feel in the state of Kentucky with, you know, going toe-to-toe with them and recruiting and, um, you know, playing against them? Um, I know that's a, a huge rivalry. Um, it's at Cardinal Stadium this year, the Governor's Cup. Um, so what's, what's kind of the vibe right now with Kentucky winning, you know, two of the last three and uh, three of the last four? Before that, you guys kind of dominated and rolled with uh, Lamar Jackson and you guys had it rolling there for a while, but what's, what's the feel with, with that rivalry right now? Yeah. Thanks for reminding me of those scores. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. You going to pull me on this podcast and make me say something nice about Kentucky. I <laughs> uh, <laughs> mean, yeah, you don't have to at all. I, you know. No, no. I look, I can give, I can give credit where it's due. They're definitely, in my lifetime, probably the best that they've ever been. Uh, I mean, honestly, maybe when I was younger, I'm, I'm omitting uh, some amazing years or something, but uh, the, the, the previous success, I mean, look, if I put my rivalry cap on, I could give you 10 excuses as to, you know, why, uh, you know, you know, they're playing, uh, you know, these uh, weak non-conference games and stacking up wins against uh, (laughs) Louisiana tech Southwest or whatever, you know, Uh, but you know, even within the uh, the SDC, I know they still get beat up a little bit, but they're actually winning games occasionally now. So you got to tip the cap a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we definitely hear it around here. You know, it's been uh, they didn't play last year since the SEC went to the mm-hmm. 10 game schedule, you know. And, and so then, like you said, two years prior, uh, they've, they've lost that game. So it's been a long time since we've been able to. Uh, have the old governor's cup in our facility. And uh, that's tough to swallow considering that for many, many years and overall uh, a little bit of bias, but I can still consider our football program a better overall program uh, uh, than, than what they uh, have put together in their uh, uh, duration of what they've got going on. But um, I, I respect it. I respect, you know, trying to compete in the SEC. I understand the challenge that comes along with that. Um, um, but uh, I don't know. I can't continue to sing their praises, so I'll just uh, end it there. <laughs> <laughs> it's painful. It's painful, Zach. You're killing me here. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> tell me about how much you love Mississippi State. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, we won't do that. But look, I. I I'm sorry I had to do that to you, but we'll we'll end on a good note here. I do want to ask, being a Louisville fan, if you had to dub yourself an item on Papa John's menu, what would it be? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, that's another thing like in Louisville, like uh it's like uh, KFC and Papa John's. We don't even really like that much, but that's kind of what we're known for. <laughs> but uh, now, if I had to pick something on Papa John's 
menu. Um, I mean, anything worse than talking know. talking good about Kentucky would me being, you know, asking you to say something nice about John, you know, Schnatter. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, he yeah, sucks. Yeah. He's terrible. Let's get the um, Camaro and yeah, yeah <laughs> or whatever. I mean, would you, I, I mean I'll help you out. Uh, I pulled it up. I mean, would you would you consider yourself a Shacaroni XL pizza, or would you you know maybe say you're <laughs> You're maybe one of the papadillas. I've heard good things actually about the papadilla. Um, papadilla. Haven't had one, you know, but I've heard, I'm heard a, they're good. They still got like the uh, garlic knots or whatever over there. I mean, maybe that's okay. me. I'm uh, a little yeah, yeah. Uh, got some jalapeno you know, the, popper uh, rolls. Yeah, there you go. Maybe a little kick, a little kick to you. Spice yeah. up your night. Uh, yeah, cl- a classic side that's got a little got a little juice to it. Yeah. Yeah. How about a uh, how about a um, like a honey barbecue wing? Because um, okay. they're really not that great, but they sound good. You know, so that's yeah. that's kind of like me. Right? You know, not all that hey. great, but sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Can never go wrong with a wing. That is a tried and true classic. Um, all right. So I, I've made you talk about Kentucky and Papa John. So I'm I'm, I'm sorry that the. Uh, I will no longer make you talk about things that you do not like, but um, well, let me John, okay, go ahead. I was say, I'll put you in a, in a spot maybe. So I grew okay. up uh, as a, uh, uh, watching a lot of Tennessee football. My dad was a UT grad. And so okay. we uh, watched a lot of games and uh, obviously we're excited about the uh, championship in 98. And so, and then you guys took Cutcliffe after that, right? But where I was going was, uh, is there still pain with the uh, Peyton kind of spurring the uh, the Rebels? You know, so there's never been any kind of animosity. I don't think, I mean, sure, you have Ole Miss fans that are mad at him and say that he didn't go to Ole Miss like his dad. But the, the story goes when, when Peyton was coming out of Isidore Newman, and was going through his recruitment, Ole Miss was on probation with the NCAA. And, you know, I, this is not this is not sourced. I haven't asked Archie. I haven't talked to Peyton. But the story goes that Archie was like, look, Peyton, you don't have to go play where I played. They're on probation. You're not going to be able to go to a bowl game. You're not going to be able to compete for championships. You can go wherever you want to go. And so that was kind of where he was like, okay, like I'll, I'll look at my options. Because I, I don't know, maybe Peyton would have gone to Ole Miss if they weren't on probation. Maybe he would have gone if, you know, the the off chance that Archie doesn't say that. Again, I don't know if he did say that, but um, I've never had any ill will towards Peyton. I mean, I, I can't blame the guy for not going somewhere when they're on probation and they can't recruit, they can't play in the postseason. So, yeah, I, I don't think most level-headed Ole Miss fans – are probably in that same boat where they're just like, yeah, you know, it just, it just didn't line up. wasn't in the cards. Um, so it, it looked at the, the Ole Miss program would, the, would probably look a lot different if Peyton had chosen to go to, to Ole Miss, obviously, because he had a ton of success at Tennessee. Um, but yeah, I, I, n- I never really had any problem with that. I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just curious. Uh, so, yeah, I mean that's that's always been kind of the funny thing was just how big of a legend Peyton is, and you know, Hall of Famer, won Super Bowls, and then you know when he was at Tennessee, right when he leaves, they go and win a national title. So um, they they always kind of have that to kind of you know stab him with, you know, like hey, you know, you never won the big one. So shout out yeah. to uh, to T Martin for doing that. T Martin, but, that's right, Peerless Price. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, John, we, we can't thank you enough for, for joining us and helping us preview Ole Miss and Louisville on Monday. Um, before I let you go, tell the folks uh, where they can read your stuff and uh, where they can get all of their Louisville uh, news uh, leading up to Monday's game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, cardchronicle.com, part of the SB Nation Network. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm under Cardinal Strong over there, so I do uh, – uh, 100 days till kickoff countdown, highlighting all the uh, 
guys on the roster. So certainly you can jump in there if you want to learn more about each individual player. And then uh, throughout the season, we do some Q and A's with the uh, weekly opponents. And so we got one coming up with you guys, uh, one man to beat and myself uh, got together and did some stuff. So we should have a little back and forth there, but uh, uh, yeah. And uh, if you really feel like it, I guess uh, Cardinal Strong on Twitter as well. Uh, usually just post about U of L stuff. So if you're not really interested in hearing about U of L, I don't know if it's a great follow, but uh, <laughs> if you want to if you want to pound that follow button for a one week, then uh, sure, go right ahead. Yeah, so. absolutely. Or if you if you just need to know, you know, the comings and goings of Dan McDonald over there, and uh, that's right, that's right. You know, whenever on his whenever way to my... another, uh, he's got a college <laughs> World Series in our future. I can feel it. I, I don't doubt that. John, I'm sure you guys will get there again. Um, well, again, we can't thank you enough. This has been fun. Uh, thanks to John. Thanks to Card Chronicle. And again, thanks to our, all of our sponsors. Thanks to LB's Meat Market, Sola on South Lamar, and uh, Davis McCord State Farm. So with that, thank you for listening. Thanks to John. And uh, look, we'll be back uh, with another episode this week. The Legal Gambling Council. We'll be back to preview week one. We came out of the gate strong, um, had a good week zero uh, with our picks. So we'll be back. We'll have a full, full slate of games to uh, be degenerates on and gamble. So tune in for that coming to you. Uh, I believe it'll be out Wednesday. So uh, make sure to get all your picks in. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you then. So for John over there, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion. Thanks for listening. We out.